Hey, Lauren. Hey, Sam. Are you ready to talk about Philadelphia? I am, because after all, we are the we watchers, are the of, watchers movies. of movies. Uh, happy Easter, everyone. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Happy Easter. Because of the bunnies and the chickens. Yeah. Well, wait. Isn't it isn't it funny? Isn't it funny that like chickens aren't Eastery but chicks are? Like baby chickens are Eastery, but as soon as they become adults, they're like, get out of here. You're not for Easter. (laughs) I know. Yeah. We like them in embryo form. We hunt for the embryos. We like We think the babies are cute. And then we punt the big chickens off of a bridge. Anchorman like, style. you're too old. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. You're too old for Hollywood. <laughs> you lost all your cute yellow feathers. Get out of here. Yeah. You're not fuzzy anymore. <laughs> you're not cute and chirping anymore. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, have you which, ever read... birds chirping. Oh, mm-hmm. is there... Have you ever read... Um... Have you ever read Me Talk Pretty One Day by David Sedaris? No. Okay, so there is a whole thing where he's in France and he's learning French and he starts talking about what the Americans believe as far as Easter goes and he's like yeah there's an Easter bunny there's a bunny that goes around and gives you its eggs and his French teacher's (laughs) like what kind of idiot are you like that is not true this is not what happens (laughs) what happens in France is that a bell comes from England and then gives you treats and he's like a bell (laughs) from england and he's like so you have to outsource your your bunnying your your eastering oh my gosh it's a bell it's a very funny yeah a bell (laughs) he's like and he writes this like whole like maybe like two or three paragraphs about how annoyed and angry he is that that's their tradition (laughs) yeah well that's a silly tradition i like i don't actually honestly I think most holiday traditions like that are ridiculous. Like, I don't like Santa Claus. I don't like the Easter Bunny. I think it's all so silly. What concerns me, too, is that for some reason, we're all just, like, under the concept, the idea that, like, um, like bunnies lay eggs as far as yeah, the that's Easter Bunny thing. lays it's eggs. Yeah, that's another so weird. <laughs> it's like, really weird. I don't know. The whole thing is... <laughs> bizarre but when I was a kid I used to really like easter egg hunts so I guess it, oh, me you know, too. Easter baskets are fun but I just think the lore is so strange it is like, actually it's very weird yeah I guess the easter bunny isn't quite as strange because maybe kids know that the easter bunny isn't real but Santa Claus is the strangest thing I yeah. guess yeah Santa but, Claus so I, comes I guess, to your house and like yeah like in the I middle think of that's the weird. night but the easter <laughs> bunny is kind of mythological he's creature so maybe kids are less apt to think like oh the easter bunny's real you know maybe it's just a game i don't know i had older siblings so i never believed in anything like that because i just never had the opportunity i don't think you know my older brothers were quite a bit older than me and i don't think they ever believed at the same time that i was of age to believe so oh anyway and they didn't keep the magic for you no definitely not (laughs) my sister actually believed that Santa Claus wasn't real before I did. Oh, really? Yeah, like she was like, dude, Santa Claus isn't real. And I was like, how? No. What is the evidence that you have? 
I remember once when I was in second grade, I was the asshole kid who was saying to all the kids, Santa's not real. And this little boy, <laughs> I clearly remember him saying to me, he he was so like little and innocent. And you know, like one of those boys who like probably like just like got tucked in with their parents until they were like 10 years old, you know, like, like they slept yeah. in their parents' bed a lot. He was like that sort of innocent and he was just a very sweet kid. And I remember him looking at me and saying, I know Santa's real because there was a brick from our chimney on the sidewalk on Christmas morning. And I said, your parents planted that. <laughs> and I probably <laughs> ruined it. Oh, oh why couldn't God. I just let him believe? Why couldn't I just let him like, I don't know. I, I just remember you, that like as such a embarrassing an memory. Early age. I was what? You were a Grinch at an early age. Oh, yeah. I, I just, I, I, I like, if I could go back in time and change something, I think I'd be like, wow, neat. I'd just let him believe it, you know? Aww. Like, the poor kid. He probably went home all confused, and his parents were like, who did this to you? What kind of cool yeah. person told you this? And, and he's like, she was only 10. She wasn't even an adult. Yeah, she's not even a, she's just a, a classmate. He's just a anyway. kid. <laughs> I don't understand. I hope he's okay. He's somewhere in the world, I'm sure. He probably has oh. kids and he's probably telling them Santa's real, so maybe it all worked out. I don't know. That'll be fine. He'll be fine. Yeah. Everyone's okay. So you know you told me that you had a funny story. Things. You told oh. me you had a funny story about your dad and I'm excited to hear it. Okay. My dad bought a Bowflex. And, oh, nice. Uh, right. So he's using it, and they have, like, a big down, you know, big basement area where he can put, like, all his workout gear or whatever. And um, he started to notice that when he would use it, that <laughs> his arm hair <laughs> would get caught in the bow flex. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> How long is his arm hair? <laughs> It's like, you know how, like, Robin Williams was really hairy? Yeah. So he, he's like that. So, oh, wow. <laughs> so, like. Oh, my gosh. So, he shaves his arms. <laughs> my mom, oh, wow. three weeks later, goes, oh, my God, Brian, you shaved your arms. And he's like, Leslie, <laughs> I did this three weeks ago. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and my sister. So, we went to pick up my sister on Wednesday, and um, we, you know, my sister, like, right away noticed, and she's like, what'd you shave your arms for? And it's just, <laughs> he's like, and my mom's telling the story, and she's laughing so hard that she can't even get the words out. She's just like, because he got his arms there stuck in the ball flex. <laughs> like, <laughs> Does he shave his whole arm or just, like, up to the elbow or what? I'm not sure, but it's like... I guess the hairiest like, part of the arm is usually your forearm, so maybe that's all he needs to do, but... Oh, my gosh, like that's a lot of arm. I was, like, rubbing his arm in the skin, and I was like, it's so smooth. <laughs> like, yeah, you had to... He'd have to do that every day so it didn't get prickly. Like, that would be uncomfortable. I know. Jeez. And, like, so, wow. yeah, he shaved his arms. He's dedicated. Oh, my yeah. gosh. And that's it. Didn't that's you say awesome. that you had a funny story? Well, you said you had a story about your dad, so I said I had a story about my dad, but this is older. I just, okay. it's just like, so when I lived with my parents, um, I was, I had just graduated from college and I was sort of dragging my feet, finding a real job. And 
my mom woke me up one morning and she said, Samantha, I'm going to work. Your dad's going to be very angry if you spend the whole day lazing around and not <laughs> looking for a job. And I was like, okay. And then she went to work and then I got out of bed and my dad said, you want to watch a movie? And we watched two movies that day. So he wasn't mad at all. So that's. Oh yeah. I remember you telling me that story and I, I loved oh, okay. it. I know. Yeah. I loved it. I thought it was like, I was like, that's such a cute, like, bonding story. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah. adorable. I love it. I think it's a very cute story. <laughs> it's, it was fun. It was a, a fun day. So Yeah. Anyway, so we have it. We do have a mini topic. Yeah, we do. Do you want to present it? Yeah. So this topic is something that um, that I've been, that I, I have a specific movie for it because it's a movie that I saw when I was in college that, like, I thought maybe changed my life. It was, like, such a powerful, great movie. And then I watched it again now that I'm in my 30s and have a little more life in me. And I realize that it's not the same. It doesn't <laughs> It doesn't hit me the same. And I had a totally different reaction to it when I watched it. And that movie is Into the Wild with Emile with, Hirsch. With uh, Emile Hirsch, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. And so... When I saw it when I was in my 20s, when I was young and in college and impressionable, so Emile Hirsch is, is based on a true story of Christopher McCandless, who sort of left everything, left his family, walked across the country, went to Alaska through tragic circumstances, died in Alaska. And so Emile Hirsch plays Christopher McCandless, and he abandons his family, basically leaves, doesn't tell them where he's going, just sort of disappears and is on the road walking around i get he you know just walking all over the country trying to get to alaska and he gets to alaska and obviously because it's based on true events he dies in alaska and i thought when i was in college i was like oh my gosh this is life changing like if you want something in your life you just go for it you just do it you can you have adventure you live life to the fullest and if something's keeping you down you let it go you know and none of that is necessarily bad, except when I watched it as an adult, I could not get past how selfish he was. Like, his parents were having marital problems, and they had, like, um, I guess they were very uh, superficial and, and into, like, money and things, and he didn't like that, but they still loved him, and they didn't know where he was. He just disappeared, and his sister in the movie and in the book, because I read the book, too, him and his sister had a close relationship and she didn't know where he was and he just disappeared and he would make friends along the way and sort of just like leave them to go to the next post and I just I couldn't get over how selfish and just just it made me so angry how selfish Wait, so, and conceited he was so did he like did he leave and not tell them where he was going or why he was leaving his his family he left his family right and didn't tell them. But then the people he met along the way, they all knew that he eventually wanted to get to Alaska. So he right. wasn't, like, lying to them or anything. But I just, I, I can't get over it. Like, he died, and he died from a tragic mistake. Like, uh, he was eating, I think he was eating berries that had mold on them. I think that's what it was. And the mold oh. poisoned him. And yeah. so... Yeah, so it was pretty terrible. And I think some hikers found his body maybe like two or three months after he died. But this, the, the one of the other tragic elements of it is um, when he got to Alaska, he 
there was this river that he had to cross, but it was the middle of winter, so the river was kind of frozen, and he was able to get across it relatively easy, but when he decided to go back home or leave Alaska, it was, like, summer, and the river was wider, and he couldn't cross it, but if he would have gone, like, a mile down the river, there was, like, a a rope strung across for like trappers and things to to use to guide themselves across the river so just through a series of tragedies he passed away but I just Damn. I can't get over that he wouldn't even contact his sister and he just went off and died and I don't I don't know I just see it totally differently I I I don't think he's necessarily a hero at all no I I understand that because it's like there are people out there that care about you, so don't, you know, put them in this situation where they're overly stressed about your safety or, you know, where you might be or, like, whatever, you know, like, whatever might happen. So I totally understand that because um, we were yeah. talking about our topic being, like, stuff that we liked when we were kids and then, like, as an adult, we're like, ugh. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think, I still think it's a, it's a beautiful movie. And I think it's really well made. I just, I cannot, I do not empathize with him the way that I used to. So right. creatively yeah. in cinematography, production value, very, very good still. And very thoughtful, but just that that aspect of it, I just, I couldn't get past. But anyway. Would you recommend it? I would recommend it. I don't think it's... As I said, I, I think it's 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 a good movie. I just don't think the story is as powerful in the way that I originally thought it was. I think right. it's maybe a good lesson in like, hey, don't be selfish. People care about you. Or it's okay to make connections with people. Or maybe don't go to the Alaskan wilderness if you're not really used to living in the Alaskan wilderness. <laughs> you know, which right. I guess it's not his fault because the mold, it was the mold. It wasn't anything... You know, it was just honestly just a mistake on his part, but still. Right. Like, but anyway, still, so I would recommend, I would family. recommend, yeah, <laughs> and just, and like his sister, and, and it, it's so tragic because his life was cut short. I mean, he was young, he was, I think he was maybe like 23 or 25, somewhere in there. Jeez, that's gone. So, it's you know, baby. he, yeah, so I, I think that. I definitely would recommend it still, but I, I would not call him any sort of hero or any sort of idol to to mimic in any right. capacity. Yeah. I gotcha. Um, so what was yours? Mine is Nip Tuck. So mm. I was really into Nip Tuck when I was, I think I was in high school. Um, and did you just hear the kitty meow? No, I didn't. <laughs> oh, he's. It might really... come over your microphone though. He's <laughs> just a little kitty <laughs> meow. Um, so I used to watch that show when I was in high school, and I was like, wow, this is so glamorous. Like, they're, you know, these doctors, like, and they're, like, having all this sex and stuff like that. And, like, so it sounded like How it was, like... doctors have all kinds of sex? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. In TV shows, but... it's like... But... Like, they so... were... Like, doctors work more hours than anybody, and in TV, they have more sex than anybody as well, and I don't get that. Anyway. Which you would think would be the opposite. Like, they're like, oh, I haven't yeah. had sex in three months because I've been fucking working right. the whole time. Like... I've been working 13-hour shifts six days a week, but instead, so... they're just, like, getting it on. Yeah. They're, like, in random in random rooms. Like, well, so... Yeah. Like, supply But Nip closets. Tuck are, like, these two surgeons and they own their own business, so they can kind of do what they oh, okay. want. But um, they, like, 
I mean, just the way that women are treated in that show is, like, despicable. And it's disgusting. And, like, they're either seen as um, basically, like, what they did was... It, like, like the, the men are, like, never at fault. Like, it's always, like, the women who are at fault. Oh. Like, the women do everything wrong. Or they're, like, either seen as, like, very, like, slutty or... Um, like it just uses like very like very objectified and I watched it yeah yeah, and I watched it like again I want to say probably within the past five years and I don't think I could get through an entire episode because I was so like I was like I don't think I ever want to watch this show again just because it's so harmful and has such an aggressive and just rotten attitude towards women you know oh geez and like well, like, and one of the characters who I loved, her name was Liz, and she was gay, but, like, for some reason, she wasn't gay for Christian, who's played by Julian McMahon, because I guess his dick solves all gayness. Like, it was oh. just, it was just, like, it was stuff like that where it was just, like, this is insulting. This is just insulting yeah. now, you know? Like, it's, she it's can't insulting be her to own say person. that, like, every, everyone is. Everyone that's gay just needs a straight person to turn them around or something. <laughs> yeah, or just needs, like... Yeah. Like, and they talk a lot about how Christian has, like, a big dick. So you're, like, what? Just, she just needs, like, one big dick to suddenly, like, change her mind from, like, wanting to, you know, be with women to wanting to be with a man. Because to me, that seems like maybe that wouldn't work. <laughs> like, I'm just saying, like, maybe you'd be like, oh, no, not into that, but thanks. Um <laughs> Yeah, I think if you're if you're gay, then I don't think any size dick would appeal to you. Yeah, well, I know, and that's exactly it. But yeah. like, it was just stuff. Like, and then when I watched it the first time, I really hated one of the characters named Julia. But then when I watched it again, I was like, actually, Julia's an amazing and fantastic human being, and she like, like, yeah, she's made really bad mistakes before, but like her husband's way worse, like way worse. <laughs> And he's yeah. just the type that can never take responsibility for his actions. So every time he gets in, like, his, like, you know, gets all deep into the shit that he causes, he's like, it's no one's fault. It's Or it's not my fault. It's everyone else's fault but mine. And it's just, like, after a while, uh, it was just, like... like, an annoying I, character. Oh, it was so annoying. And after a while, it was just like, man, I don't care what happens to you. Like, <laughs> I really don't. And yeah. so... I don't know, just not, it, it was just, it was written in a time in the early 2000s when stuff like that was acceptable, and yeah. mm-hmm. characters like that were acceptable, and it's gotten to the point now where it's at that time where we're like, this is disgusting, and this kind of, you know, character is not someone that I want to even watch, because I don't empathize with them, or I don't identify right. with them, because they're kind of a piece of shit, so. Yeah, yeah, I, just like, male chauvinism. Exactly. That's like I, a nine. That's almost like a '90s holdover. I think there was some some of that, especially in the '90s. I think. Oh, big time yeah. for characters like male characters who were just like walking yeah. around too big for their britches, and women like Ross were Geller and on Friends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, I hate, hated, I, I hate Ross so much. I don't. I always like. I watched Friends when it was on, and I really enjoyed it. And I still think I would enjoy it if I watched it casually. But I never liked that Rachel and Ross ended up together because oh. I hate his character is terrible. Oh my god, no! Okay, first of all, I have so many issues with it. Like the way that he treats her, he doesn't trust her. He constantly is like, what? He was like, 
like going to her place of work because he didn't trust her and he would like he didn't want to choose her because she wasn't like working in the like right career path for him or whatever even though he like liked her for so long and he just like would make these comments about like her work like it wasn't important and then she has this amazing opportunity to live in france which would be incredible and like an amazing experience and she leaves it all behind for this loser and i was like why would you do that like what like you're gonna go home and go to ross who gives a fuck about ross he's so like just so (laughs) he's such a like a whiny annoying character oh he's super whiny and annoying yeah um so we've been talking for 20 minutes so let's you want to start getting into the movie now yeah yeah okay cool so, uh, first of all, what did you think of the movie? I really liked it. I Me really, too. really liked it. There were s- certain aspects of it that I thought were really good, like very powerful. So, I was telling, I was talking to Mike, um, him and I watched Forrest Gump together, like maybe a year ago, and we were talking about it afterwards, and we had both seen it, like it was nothing new, you know, but we just hadn't seen it in a long time. And I was saying to him that we are so lucky to be living at a time when Tom Hanks is alive and acting. (laughs) Because there's, I don't think, I don't think they'll, I mean, probably there won't ever be an actor like him. And I really like him. He's one of my favorites. Um, I think he's, he's just so dynamic. And even if his movies are terrible, like The Money Pit, which I don't like at all, I still... (laughs) like him you know I still think he he has this like magical charming quality and I just really really respect and appreciate him and and I think we're just so lucky that we're not born we weren't born in like 2075 when he was a memory or like 1920 when he never existed you know right we get the the privilege of being here and seeing his movies as they as they happen for the most part I mean obviously Philadelphia is older but I mean he just has such a strong um screen dynamic you know yeah you, you can't yes. look away from him and and him and I mean him and Denzel Washington like tour de force man come on yeah I and mean, I like you got these two like amazing actors like yes <laughs> Denzel de is awesome as well yes oh he's great um one time I thought that um when I worked in the call center and I was taking claims insurance claims uh i got a call from somebody who i swore was denzel because he sounded just like denzel (laughs) and i asked him for his insurance policy number and he said well my dear let me find it and i thought this is denzel washington he just said my dear he's denzel and then the the policy came up and it was like nothing nowhere near his name or anything so it wasn't him but i was i was so convinced i was I would have put money on it, and I was so excited. I was like, I'm going to brag to everybody, and then it ended up just not being him. So the story is going nowhere, but yes, no, that's he's an amazing actor. No, that's yeah. disappointing, though. Yeah. Um, that's funny. I love that, though. I wish it had been him, just so you could have been like, guess what? I just spoke to Denzel fucking Washington. Like, yeah. no big deal, whatever. What have you done in your life? I did take have a... Have you spoken to Denzel? I don't think so. <laughs> I took a claim from somebody who got in an accident with one of Hulk Hogan's children. So, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that's my claim to fame, I guess. <laughs> there yeah. you go. There you go. Oh, anyway. Nice. Um, I've yes. never spoken to any celebrities. I met David Sedaris a handful of times, so that's kind of cool. But um, Oh, yeah. 
I wouldn't say he's like a celebrity, you know, he's a writer, but he has a huge no, but following. He's yeah, he's on This American Life a lot. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. he's very nice. I've met him. Mike just he, read he me. He says each time that he remembers me, but I don't think that he does. But I mean, whatever. <laughs> well, like. that's cute, though. I like that. <laughs> Mike just read me. Mike read me a quote from him just yesterday. This is funny. It's about he's, the upcoming election. He's so funny. I love him. I think that you would like his his writing. And to anyone else out there who loves reading, um, his stories all tend to be like essays about his life. So, but they're not boring. And even they, even like his, even like his darkest stories have an underlying sense of like humor to them. Like, cause he, like his sister recently committed suicide. Um, and yeah, I heard that. Um, yeah. Like that was really sad. I heard about that on This American Life. They did an episode about it or yeah. part, part of an episode about it. Yeah. Um, and, um. And, you know, his mom died from cancer. His dad's still alive, but it's just, you know, he's just a guy who had been through a lot of, like, issues with, you know, growing up at a time, like, during the 70s and the 60s, or, well, the 70s and 80s and stuff like that, when being gay was, like, a huge, like, no-no, which is actually perfect for what we're going to talk about now. Yeah, um, actually, yeah. Yeah, and so he, I mean, there's there was a movie made of his called COG, which means Child of God. And um, it was with, um, um, oh, God. No, 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 I can't remember his name. Shit. He's on Glee. And Jonathan Groff, that's it. Glee. <laughs> Mind Hunter would be the better one, I guess, would be. He was, only on Glee. he was only on Glee for like a little bit, but he's an amazing actor. And I thought he was fantastic in that movie, but I thought the movie was absolute bullshit. I thought it was terrible. It was like, didn't at all catch the humor of David Sedaris's writing. It was like, and even though it was like a really fucked up story, like about this guy. So it's like about this guy who's an apple picker named David, because it's about his life. And he starts hanging out with this dude who has like these this like trailer filled with um molds of men's penises so like all these like and all these dildos and he like and the guy like lives with his mom and the dude tries to like assault david and so he's like running away from this dude but oh my gosh way, yeah it's so it's a really dark story but the way that it's written it's just like it's just there's just a sense of humor to it. Like he's he clearly sees these things in his life and goes, okay, so that's really dark and messed up, but let's turn it around in a way where we can put like a a little bit of a brighter light on it. So it's like, hey, I got away, I was safe, I was fine, and this guy was an insane person with all these like you know fake dicks lying around. Um, so it's the, there are certain parts of it where you're like, okay, I can see the humor in it. Um, but also, <laughs> like, I mean, you know, it's also a story about almost sexual assault. So it's not like it's funny, you know, but but just anyway. So he there's this movie and it's just it was so bad. And I was so bummed out because I'm like, man, I was really a big fan of his writing. And like, I really messed this up, the story up. But it's whatever. I mean, so anyway, leading into Philadelphia. I, so I wanted to, to say, oh, oh, go ahead. I have to tell you. That I was sitting and like bawling my eyes out at the end, like just oh really? On. Oh my god, I was crying. Yeah, like just 
I was like, I had like tears streaming down my face. I was, yeah, it was it very so much you, affected me. You really liked it. I really liked it. I thought it was very good. I thought, yeah, I'm, um, I thought it was a, um, a very like realistic take on the fact that there were, you know, that during this time, people didn't understand how AIDS was transmitted. And so, yeah. like, when they show, when they show uh, Tom Hanks, whose name is Beckett, Andrew Beckett, coming to um, Denzel Washington to be like, hey, uh, I got fired. Like, can you help me out with this? And when he says that he has AIDS to Denzel Washington's character, Denzel just, like, backs up. Like, like releases his yeah. hand and backs up. Did you? I don't know if you noticed that, but, like, it was oh, big so, time. Yeah. It was so like, oh, I can't touch you because I might get the disease that you have because, again, people weren't, you know, like, understanding that. Um, and, and just the incredible isolation and fear that these people who are suffering from this terrible, you know, disease that eventually they know was going to kill them. I, I can't even imagine the isolation and the just uh, just the loneliness that you would feel having AIDS and then everyone turns their back on you and also you're gay so it's not just that it's not only do you have AIDS but you're also gay which is also you know very like people were like oh like he's gay like ooh, like it, it was just so it's just such a weird it was such a weird time you know and yeah and what were you Go ahead. I don't know anything else. That's it. No, I, I was just, I thought, I think that, um, I remember being in school. I remember very young in elementary school and sort of like hearing people talk about AIDS and knowing that it was really dangerous. And one time I was swimming, I was swimming in a pond and a little girl that I was swimming with, there was a band aid floating in the pond and she said, Oh, there's a band aid over there. What if somebody had who was wearing it had AIDS and there was blood on the Band-Aid? And I remember thinking, uh, oh, could I get AIDS that way? Like, it kind of like a fleeting thought. And I just, I think that, that my, and Mike actually said this because I, I watched this with Mike. And he said this, this was a, this movie is a really good time capsule. Because sort of like the AIDS epidemic and the fear and the prejudice that people had against AIDS and against gay people was pretty strong um, around the same, you know, like like mid to late 80s, early 90s. And, I mean, even now people are still prejudiced against gay people, but it's gotten a lot better. But yeah. and, and now people understand AIDS a lot more. But, yeah, you didn't know. I mean, people didn't really know how they could get AIDS necessarily at first or how they couldn't. And so I, I, I agree with you, like the isolation and just the, the injustice – that especially homosexual men, I think more than women, I think is my oh, observation sure. that they, uh, I can't even imagine experiencing that. And then just like getting a terminal diagnosis, because I, I know they had like the drug cocktail that would keep them alive, but I don't think I, you know, I, I think it was still terminal at that time. And now I think people can, like some people can live with it for a long time because we have stronger drugs, but I might be. No, well, I mean, that, but... Magic Johnson's still alive, and he 
Yeah. Has, you know, he has HIV AIDS. Um, but um, my mom had, she really liked Princess Diana. Um, so she was actually a royal fan <laughs> before it became popular to be a royal fan. <laughs> and um, one of the things that she had told me about numerous times is that she, that Diana had, um, had changed a lot of people's perspective, I think, like, socially about oh, yeah. AIDS because she was actually, like, meeting up with AIDS patients and shaking their hands. And I think that that impact of having someone who's such a, a public figure going, you know, and, and, you know, and Diana was, like, a very loved public figure, too. You know, yeah. going to mm-hmm. people and being like, I accept you and I view you and I see you as a human being. Um, and it's, it's an enormous thing to have, you know, like everyone is viewing this as such a scary event. Well, then there's someone who's, who's going and being like, it's okay. You know, we're all humans. We're all going to deal with this together. You're a human being. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that people have like in that time when this movie was made, which was in 93, was that people were not viewing those victims of AIDS as human. Really, they were kind of just right. like, you're just a disease. Yeah. You're just a disease wrapped well, up in and human I think, skin. I think that people also considered their, like, they didn't consider them as just normal humans who behaved like normal humans. They sort of considered them like animals who just were involved in just depraved and deviant behavior. And when really, like heterosexual people engaged in the same amount of promiscuity they just could get away with it because they weren't getting ill as fast as like gay men that's you know and like in the movie when the the his like law firm when they were talking and they were at the basketball game and they were talking they were like i want to know everything about his past i want to know what deviant groups he was a part of what weird behavior what clubs he went to and I, I just think that yeah, there was like this perception of them that they weren't they weren't humans. They were just like animals who were living like animals and it's so sad, you know, that the discrimination and the prejudice runs so deep, you know? Well, and also, um it's you're right, like what you're saying, but it, it, people were like um they were using what he had done in his personal life against him in order to make it, like, in order to, like, slowly, like, degrade his character, you know, mm-hmm. um, and not, like, his character, like, the way that it's written, but, like, you know, his character, like, as a person, you know, like, you know what I right, mean? Right, I know what you're talking <laughs> yeah, about, yeah. You know what I mean, okay. Um, <clears throat> and stuff, and it's just, and this whole time, you know, Beckett is, a victim of this mm-hmm. law firm who decides that, oh, you know, we, we can't have this guy on our staff because he's, it's just, I know it's just terrible, terrible, just awful. And, um, but yeah, anyway, uh, so I want to talk about, um, little baby Antonio Banderas. <laughs> Because I was like, because I didn't realize that he was in this movie. And I'm like watching the movie and I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, oh, my God. He's like 25. I was like, what a little angel. He's so little. Yeah, he was so young. He was so young. They were all such little babies. Um, I kind of wish that they had showed 
Tom Hanks and Antonio Banderas, like, at least exchanging a kiss. Because I was honestly not sure at, that they were dating. Like, I was well, like, I, I think that they were, but I was like, but they should, like, show them that they are. Like, you know what I mean? And I think that... That that's just a testament to kind of like '90s movies is that people are like, "Ew, two men making out, like disgusting." You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I was, I was talking to Mike and I was saying that I was I was really pleased that they portrayed gay men very respectfully. Even I know, and and I mean this in with the highest form of respect. Like I know that there are some gay men who are much more flamboyant than others, but I think for a movie that was made in the early '90s, it would have been really easy for them to cross that line and just make all of his gay friends just like out of like out of bounds you know like super flamboyant you know oh yeah yeah do you know what i'm saying yeah but they made all of the gay men look just they just made them seem like like real people you know like these are real people yeah and and but i think that for the time that was really i was really impressed by that but i also think something that i noticed was that i i agree with you you're right it, it would just i don't think they could have shown two men kissing quite yet which is yeah. unfortunate because i agree with you like there, there were very. It was very apparent that they weren't ever kissing. You know, yeah. We got and, to see them like dancing together, and that's about it. Yeah, and it was just like, and it's just to me, if I am coming to the hospital because my partner has, um, you know, like fainted or whatever, um, and I'm worried about them, the first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to see them and I'm going to kiss them because I love them. Right. You know. Yeah. And like. That's the thing that you do when you see someone that you love is that you show them affection. And um, and I don't know. Obviously, we have to take into account that it's been 27 years since this movie came out. Also, how does that not like blow your mind? Can you believe that that's been almost 30 years? That's crazy. Dude, I was five. Oh, no, I was six. I was six when that movie came out. It came out, didn't it come out in 1993? Yeah. Okay. Wow. I was nine. So. Yeah. I was just yeah. a wee baby. Um, and, um, and so, okay. So, yeah. So. Yeah. I really, I really, I thought that that for the time, they really, I wish, I agree. I wish they would have shown them a little bit more loving, but I was, I was pleasantly surprised that for the time they were gay homosexual men were portrayed very respectfully in terms of just them not seeming like they were just caricatures of gay men, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. So, so, um, I looked up the, um, lesions that he had. Oh yeah. And it's actually called something. It's called Kaposi sarcoma. And it is a type of cancer that can form masses in the skin, lymph nodes, or other organs. Um, yeah, so, that's, like, I mean, that's scary. Like, yeah, so he had these little, like, lesions all over his skin. Um, not so noticeable on his face, though, but enough where that person, what was it, that one guy had noticed? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, one of the partners. Yeah. Um, so. I thought it was interesting that the movie opened up. The movie was was quite a bit different than I thought it would be. I thought we were going to see sort of like his AIDS journey. So I was kind of surprised that the movie started and he already had gotten diagnosed with AIDS. And he was already 
you know, going through treatments and everything. And then it, it was more of a courtroom drama than I realized. I mean, I knew there was a, um, I knew that there was a trial right. in the movie, but I, I didn't realize exactly how the story was going to go. So it was, it was pretty interesting to just see, um, see it start near the end of his life, I guess, and, and see most of it portrayed in a courtroom and there were some flashbacks to things that had happened and you never really real you never really get an answer on if they hid the brief for, or not nobody ever oh, really yeah. came clean yeah. about that and that was all ambiguous um so I thought that was really interesting and I also thought I really loved Denzel Washington's character journey that was oh probably my, my favorite part of the movie. So good. Yeah, he like he went from being like uh, like really saying all these derogatory things about gay men and like how he doesn't like them and how like he finds what they do disgusting and then he was like, "No, they're good people." And I was like, "Wow, that was a beautiful journey, like a beautiful paradigm yeah. shift, you know?" And I um, thought his his character arc was, arc was so strong because oh, so he didn't change beautiful. his mind right away. He initially he got into it because he saw Tom Hanks or Beckett. He saw Beckett being discriminated against in in the library. He sort of witnessed it, and I think that fueled his fire to at least go to bat for him in the courtroom. And he still like for a long time, even though he was working directly with him, he was concerned about the law being broken. But he still didn't agree with him being gay. And he he was vocal about it when people would ask. He would say like, "Yeah, I think, I think what they're doing is disgusting." Like, what you know? And I I'm not saying I agree with what he said. What he said, I'm just saying I really like that his character had a believable shift. It didn't just suddenly shift, you know. Oh yeah. He got to I... know he got to know him on a personal level, and that's how he was able to say, "Oh my gosh, gay men are are humans. They're people." Yeah. He may be gay, but he's just like me and and I really like that journey. So, I want to talk to you about the library scene. Um okay. did you notice there was like not with Tom Hanks but with Denzel who's okay, his name is Joe Miller. So, Miller is in the library and he's, you know, doing some um studying and there is a guy, just some random like extra who's walking past his table and like staring at him intently and I wondered if he was staring at him in that way because it was like a racial thing because he was a white guy the extra was a white guy and and that's kind I kind of thought that maybe what they were going to do was going to be like Miller was going to be like oh Beckett has been discriminated against the same way that I have also been discriminated against as an African-American man but they never really went mm -hmm. there and I, I don't right. know if it was, like, if that guy who's staring at him, because it seemed really out of place to me to, like, have that there. Like, he was staring at him so intently that I was wondering, like, is Miller kind of going, like, what are you looking at, dude? Like, are you looking at me because, you know, I'm, I'm an African-American guy, like, in a, you know, in a, like, in a library? Like, what you know what I mean? And, <clears throat> but... It's fine. It's fine the way they went about it. I was just kind of curious as to what maybe, like, that was part of his thought process was that um, this man who was also experiencing the similar, you know, discrimination and hatred that he had experienced in his own life being a black man. Um, I don't know. 
That's the I was just I, don't cur- know. I was curious if you got that vibe if you were like maybe like because that's kind of where I thought it was going but then it didn't end up going that way and and that's okay. I just thought it was kind of interesting. I didn't. Mike said something very similar. He said he thought at first that Denzel was going to get on board because he knew what it was like to be discriminated against, and I didn't fully get that vibe. But I can see. I I can see once once Mike said it, I was like, oh, I get that. But I I thought that everybody that was staring at the library was staring because of Tom Hanks having AIDS, and so if. Denzel is talking to somebody who has AIDS, then he also gets to take part in this discrimination because he's, you know, there's sort of like, oh, I can't believe you'd be talking to him or, oh, is this guy gay too? Because, you know, when he went to the doctor he, yeah. in, the, in the beginning, he went to the doctor and his doctor was like, I'll take an AIDS test. You know, I know I've known you since you were a kid, but what you do in your personal life. And so everybody sort of assumed that he was gay because he was associating with a gay man. Right. So I felt like any of the prejudice he got was was because of that. Okay. Um, but I also think I'm... I also found that Denzel's character... Something I really liked about Denzel's character is he was so hungry all the time. Like, he saw somebody on crutches and he would give him his, the business card. You know, so he was right. just like... I think he was just so maybe excited about going to court that that would almost and and just seeing the injustice I thought that would that was more of his motivation than the fact that he may have experienced injustice in his right. life just because his so I got a slightly different vibe but I can totally see how you know you would think that cuz that would be a logical oh, co- conclusion Actually okay so I'm actually looking it up on Wikipedia and the person who wrote this article said something around the same thing They said <clears throat> Uh, feeling discouraged by other people's behavior and seeing the parallels in how he himself has faced discrimination due to his race, Miller approaches Beckett, reviews the material he has gathered, and takes the case. Hmm. Oh, I so, don't know. I don't. I didn't see that though. He never brought that up. Like he never said anything. No, he never said anything. But I think that there that showing that extra who was staring at him intently was kind of like correlating or you know, having his narrative as, you know, um, as someone who's been discriminated against based on his race was very, like, parallel to Beckett being discriminated because of his sexuality and because of his disease that he has. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think that maybe is kind of just up to the interpretation of the viewer. But personally, that's what I thought was that maybe part of the reason that compelled him to take on the case was that he was like, hey, I've also experienced this. It sucks. Let's do this thing. Let's win this case mm-hmm. for you, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So, okay, so when they are in court and they are talking to this woman that also had was a victim of AIDS, but she had contacted, contracted it from a blood transfusion, um... That was, that was intense. And I don't know if you noticed that, but she kind of gave this look to Beckett, like, dude, I am so sorry for what you're going through. Yeah. Like, she had this very, like, very empathetic look on her face. And although she was in such a small part of it, um, and it's, it's interesting to see how she was treated as a victim also of this disease, but because she was, like, a woman 
who was a straight woman and had kids and a husband, it was like, it was like, oh, this is just an unfortunate circumstance for you versus Beckett was like, no, this is your fault because you're a gay man and you're out getting all like having all this gay sex and like, it's your fault that you got AIDS versus her. And, and I thought that was, that was very interesting. Again, just shows like this total, you know, homophobic look at how men that are gay are viewed in that country or all over the world, really. I mean, gay rights is, it's just such a, it's such an odd, to me, it's such an odd thing to fight over because I don't understand why it's a big deal to allow other people to have the same rights as everyone else. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm like, some homophobe, explain it to me. Why do they not deserve it over, you know, like, I don't, I have friends that are are gay that are in, you know, like, I have a female friend that is in a loving, committed relationship with another woman, and I love them, and I think they're wonderful people, and if they want to get married, I will happily, you know, do whatever they want for their wedding because I love them. I think they're wonderful, and I just, I, I don't. I don't understand it. I don't understand the desire to take away freedoms from someone who others view differently than them, you know? And, like, it's not yeah. like we're talking about, like, bestiality here. Like, geez. Like, it's just, like, God, yeah. you know? I think it's, like, it's weird. <laughs> I think it's really, I think it's really strange when people have such a strong reaction to somebody being gay and they say things like, Oh, gross. You know, like, I don't, right. I don't know why it's gross. It's just two humans. Well, and not so only I that, think it's... but all of the things that they are doing sexually are people are things that heterosexual people are doing too. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. There's they no, don't do like different. people are still, you know, participating in anal and oral sex. Like that's a thing. That's just across humankind. That sexuality is like, you do whatever because it feels good. So, you know, it's like, why does it, who cares? Like, it's just, it doesn't, it's like, it's okay for a heterosexual person to do it, but a gay person, oh no. Like, and I'm not really sure. Like, I, I think that they had some interesting portrayals of homophobia with the, the big wigs, the, the corporate boys. Oh yeah. Like the joke. Tom Hanks was telling the story. Oh, yeah, sorry. like Tom Hanks was telling the story about the the joke. And and I I think that there's like I feel like homophobia is stronger in men than in women, and I'm not sure why. Do you feel that way? I think that as well. Yes, and I think the reason why is because it is been such a patriarchal society that to the people who are running the show are like, oh, lesbians are hot. They're not gross. Yeah, that's like... like, They're two women getting together. But it's also like, well, okay, so are these... First of all, are these these men viewing women as these, like, exceptionally beautiful, like, busty babes, you know? Or are they viewing women as, like, hey, this person might not be, like, what you think that a traditional feminine woman should look like, you know, like, Oh, they could be someone who 
wants to look more masculine or wants to dress, you know, like in, I don't know, like they don't want to wear dresses. They don't want to wear, um, again, the traditional like garb that, that females wear that's seen as like feminine or whatever. And, and I think that it's, I think it's viewed that way and that gay men are seen as disgusting because of the society that we have built around basically a very, you know, patriarchal society. And so when women get together and they're two, you know, two lesbians, it's like, oh, that's hot because it's, you know, like it's, um, it's scintillating, it's sexy, but two men together, well, I mean, they have to do all sorts of stuff that I'm not comfortable with. I'm like, ooh, gross. Like, and it's just, it's like, and it's just like, what, who, who views people like that? That's disgusting. Like, it's, it's a disgusting way to view someone as being like, I'm going to look at you as that you're like a sexual being that I get to view for my pleasure, but someone who else wants, who wants to do essentially the same thing, but it's a different gender is, is not okay. Like, it's just, it's, it's just this view of this really narrow minded view of what is okay and what is not okay. And it's creepy. Is what it is. Yeah, it's super I, creepy. I think I really liked when Denzel was in the drugstore, and the tall, young guy came, and he was like, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm going to I don't know if he was like going to like Pennsylvania State or something, some college, and and he's like, this is a really important case. You're doing a really good job. And Denzel's like, Hey, man, thanks. And he gives him his business card, and he's like, Call me when you graduate. And then the kid sort of lets on that he's gay and he's trying to pick up Denzel and Denzel is like really offended and he like calls him names and I I just I think that's really interesting because it's like why would you why couldn't you just say to the guy oh I'm not gay you know but yeah. but instead he got just like so offended when he like that somebody would think he physically was gay. like assaulted him too. Yeah. Yeah. He like so pushed I him think... against a wall or something. Like grabbed his collar and was like, "Don't ever talk to me like that." Like, blah, blah, you know. Because like, if a woman was coming, if a woman came up to him and was like coming on to him, he could just say, "Hey, I'm flattered, but I have a wife." Right. You know. So yeah. why can't you extend that same sort of grace to you know what I mean? So it's like this. There's like this interesting homophobic message in the movie and how like the older men from the law firm never they didn't learn you know right. they'll probably just keep making the same mistakes but Denzel learned you know he saw that these these this man Tom Hanks as a homosexual man with AIDS is still a human being and his family was so awesome like his family was so accepting oh my God, of him I and I was so glad them, dude I was so I was really, happy <laughs> Sorry. It was really nice that we didn't have to watch um we didn't have to watch him get rejected by his family. You know, they just they loved him and they were supporting they supported him and and I thought that was really good and and I I just I thought that it, and they also they accepted his relationship with Miguel with Antonio Banderas's character. Yeah. You know, so it was just it was just really nice, a really really beautiful loving family. Yeah. He um I love that too. I was ready. I was ready for his family to be shitty. And I actually thought that when he called his mom or his mom called him after he got the blood test, that she didn't, 
I thought that she maybe didn't have an idea that he had AIDS, but as it's revealed later, she obviously has known, you know, for a while, yeah. probably since he knew. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the fact that they were like, you got to do whatever you got to do. We love you. We support you. We're here for you. 100%. I was like, that's amazing. And that's such a beautiful way to tell, um, Beckett's story is that he has this incredibly, you know, um, loving group of people who are very supportive and um yeah you know i mean i have i have to tell you though i feel like and just to our viewers like i just want to pre-warn slash apologize to everyone but i do not think i will get through this episode without crying <laughs> i'm not gonna lie to oh, you like geez. i i can feel myself getting a little choked up now and i think once i explain to you why i feel this way I think you'll understand, but, um, so I don't want to go there yet though, but I want to talk about the scene with the opera. La Mama Morta is the name of the aria. And so Tom Hanks actually won an Oscar for that scene. Like, that was the thing that sealed the deal was him having this super emotional and visceral reaction to this, you know, beautiful opera song. Um, and, you know, I was watching the way that they, like, held the camera and everything, and they held the camera at Denzel's face, like, it was, like, at face value, I guess you could say. Like, it was right there, but with Tom Hanks, the camera was, like, above him, and, mm-hmm. you know, he's kinda, kind of, not, like, dancing, but he's kind of swirling around with his, um, his IV and everything, and um, talking about the, the song, and... Um, I thought that was such an incredibly awesome scene. So good. I mean, just so, you know, and I think that was a big, a big show of, um, of Miller, of, of Denzel Washington's character starting to realize that this is a man who is experiencing this loss and this pain where he knows that he's not going to survive. And, um, and kind of coming to terms with his own realization that he's changing as a person and he's accepting more accepting of other people and especially like his, you know, his homophobia is kind of waning and stuff like that. And, um, but man, that was an amazing scene. That was so beautiful. So well done. Like even I, you know, for, for our viewers out there, even if you, don't end up watching this movie like just YouTube that scene. It's so good. It's so good. I didn't. <sighs> I didn't like that scene at all. Really? I loved it. <laughs> I you and I you and I. Every I cannot time, believe every time we disagree on something. I'm always like, I cannot. You're so different. I almost didn't say anything. I almost didn't say anything because I didn't. I couldn't believe that you were so enamored with it. But I really you did. Why did I you didn't, like it? No. Um, I thought it was super dated. Uh, pacing was very bad. It was too long. I didn't care for the light changing. I didn't care for the camera angles. I didn't care for the multiple metaphors that I had to sift through. Um, I th- I thought it was like it was it was like the director was like, I, for lack of a better word, like jerking off for film students. <laughs> so. Okay. I'm really sorry because I, I almost no, didn't no, say no. anything because yeah, you I... loved it so much. 
But what? Wait, what did you say? You're sorry, what? I almost, I felt, I feel bad saying this because I didn't realize that you would love it. So, because while it was, while it was on, while that scene was on, I was like, oh my gosh, this is painful, like too long. And I didn't care for it. Oh, that is so funny. I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was probably the best scene in the entire film. Like it, it actually made the film for me. Like, that scene was, like, the thing that sealed the deal of me liking the film. Like, that's how much I oh, love that really? scene. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was, um, well, like, I don't, are you an opera fan? Like, do you like opera? I don't, I mean, I don't, I didn't mind that it was necessarily that it was opera. I don't, okay. I don't have any ill feelings toward opera. I just, I thought there was too much happening in the scene for it to be emotionally impactful on me. Really? I was like, I was yeah. crying. I mean, I wasn't like crying really hard, not like the ending, but yeah, I definitely. I did think. I got emotional. I did. I definitely, I really enjoyed when Denzel was uncomfortable. So he left and then almost came back, but then left again and went to his house and sort of like appreciated his daughter and his wife. And yes. sort of you could see that like his his mind was changing. I liked that. I just I wish that. that I wish that they would have done it, done that like his realization slightly different. Like maybe had I just wish that it would have been more realistic to the rest of the film. Mike and I talked about this as well because when the scene was happening, I wanted to say to him, "Oh, this is I do not like this, but I was afraid that he was enjoying it, so I kept quiet, and he was thinking the same thing he said, but he thought I might be enjoying it, so he didn't speak up, but I think if they would have used the opera, and he would have been, and they would have just kept it with the the film's realism that they had been doing, and not, like, changed the lighting, and, and made it sort of, like, an artistic scene, I think that it could have been more powerful for me, but I think it, it was... Um, it's a victim of the 90s in my mind, but <laughs> I appreciate that you really like it. I don't want to like... I loved you it. Know. I thought it was beautiful. thought it was really well done. I, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I think you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I think my, my favorite, I think I've already said this, but my favorite part of the movie was Denzel's character arc. Yeah. I think I, that made the movie, his character made the movie for me. I agree with you. Oh, I agree with you with, on that. I, I think his character arc was beautiful. It was a very well done, you know, he went from this, you know, total like homophobic guy to this guy who was like, actually, maybe I was wrong, you know? And yeah. And, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. You know, and cause there's that scene where they're at the gay party. Um, and, he and Miller's watching Beckett dance with his partner, and mm -hmm. yeah, that see that was a really beautiful scene. Yeah, I like that. I think he was kind. That was kind of maybe like his point where he was realizing like this is just a man who's in love. He's just in love, you know, and he happens yeah. to be in love. Yeah, he with has family. Man. He has friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because he's meeting all his friends, all of Beckett's friends, and everything like that, and and just realizing like these are real human beings who have real feelings about, you know, their son or their lover or whatever, who is dying, right. essentially. And, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was, it's just, he, he definitely had a great character arc. Very, very good paradigm shift, mm -hmm. for sure. I thought it was yes. a well-written movie. Definitely. Me too. I thought it was, it was 
really great, a great storyline. Um, I, I really was, I was engrossed in all of the courtroom scenes. I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed just, uh, Mary Steenburgen. Yeah. The other lawyer, she, I really like her. She did a really good job. She was a jackal. And, yeah. And <laughs> it, I agree with you. Um, I'm sad that you didn't like the opera scene. I thought that was really well done, but. I'm sorry. I'll get I, over it eventually. It's going to take me a while. I can't so believe, I feel, okay. I was like, I was sitting here and when you were talking about how much you loved it, I was thinking the same. I was like, of course she loved it. And now I have to be the one <laughs> to say that I didn't like the scene. I didn't mind. It's not the sentiment of the scene that I, I liked the you, sentiment you of the scene. Have to, it's okay. If you don't like it, it's, it's I just think like from a movie, like filmmaking standpoint, I didn't, I, I didn't enjoy that, but I, I really, it's such a powerful movie and it's so sad and it's, I can't even imagine what it, what it would be like to get an AIDS diagnosis at any time, but especially in the eighties and nineties when it was so fatal, you know? Yeah. I thought about that a lot actually was, um, I cannot imagine, I mean, even now being in a time when, first of all, how utterly terrifying that is to get that diagnosis, knowing yeah. that, you know, and especially if now they, t they talk about him, uh, Beckett, like being in a porn theater and mm -hmm. hooking up with some random dude. And that's how he had gotten HIV and, and, but didn't pass it on to Miguel. So, mm -hmm. um, I thought Miguel was so, so kind to still be with this guy when, you know, Beckett had kind of cheated on him. Oh, yeah, so, for sure. Uh, that yeah. kind of, I think well, he, he did. He did, yeah. Cheated on him, yeah. Um, but Miguel was so kind and loving and, like, just wanted to take care of him and wanted to be there for him, knowing that his partner was, you know, on the verge of death. And I yeah. thought Miguel, and I kind of wish he had been a bigger character, but I thought he was a really great character, too, because he was just so loving and he was just so sweet, you know? Yeah, and he was so loyal and he was taking care of him, like, giving him the IV and everything. Yeah. And like, I would imagine, like, we didn't really see much drama between them, so I imagine that when, I think maybe we're meant to infer that when Tom Hanks got the diagnosis, he probably came clean. Right. To Miguel about how he, because otherwise Miguel will be like, how did you get this? Right. I've, you've only been with me for like the last X amount of years. So we didn't see, you know, we, I guess in my head, we were meant to just assume that it had come out in the open way before that and he forgave him and stayed with him. And yeah, it was, that's a, a really, it was a really interesting relationship i really liked their relationship i did they were too. so caring about each other yeah yeah very and yeah. at the beginning at the beginning when he's getting his first treatment and he's he's sort of looking around the room and there was a doctor or a nurse talking to another aids patient and he was like oh we're gonna have to start looking for veins on your feet and Tom Hanks has this really great moment where he sees his future basically like he knows that that's waiting for him and he, he has this, like, sort of this moment of fear sort of wash over his face, but then he just puts his headphones on and goes back to work, like, 
I thought that was a really great moment. Well, really and that was that also was a little bit beautiful. of, uh, yeah, that, I mean, that was also a little bit of foreshadowing too, because they say when Miguel is giving him the IV, he's like, your vein has collapsed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, and, I can't get this and in so, there. And that's what they and were he doesn't talking wanna, about. Tom Hanks. Yeah. He doesn't want to think about his death. So he throws at like Halloween party, you know? Yeah. And understandable. And, and then, yeah. I mean, totally understandable. Yeah, so it Because you know? I don't think they had the cocktail so sad. Bag. I don't, I'm not sure when the cocktail came to be for the AIDS cocktail, but... Um, well, I think they had AZT then, but I don't know exactly what else. Yeah. I mean, either way, yeah. he ended up dying from this. So, yes. which leads us to the end when he collapses in the courtroom. Um, yeah. And that was a, that was a really win. intense scene. Yeah. And Miller wins. Miller wins the case. Mm-hmm. So even though Beckett couldn't be there for the end because he collapsed, um, Miller still did everything that he could to win the case for this guy. And and that really, like, that felt so satisfying because, you know, yeah, you're looking yeah. at these shitty lawyers that fired him for having this disease, and they're so self-righteous in, in what they're doing. Like, they think that they're what they're doing is so right and, and okay and everything. And then it's kind of like, their reputation as a law firm is pretty much is pretty much fucked up after that. You know, I mean, and that, yeah. they had oh, mentioned that a lot. Yeah. That they were like, this is really going to screw us up. Like, it almost sounded like they would go out of business if they lost the case. And yeah. I, I really didn't feel sorry for them. I was kind of like, y'all are a bunch of homophobic jerks, so maybe don't do that next time. Um, yeah, discriminating good old boys, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, a bunch of just homophobic dudes sitting around like in a sauna making, you know, gay jokes. And it's just like, ugh. So, which right. is, which is a scene. I'm not saying that that's what they do. And that actually did happen, but you know, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. so, you know, and which is, is nice too, because even though, even though Beckett is now passed or he's, well, that's the end, you see the end, but, um, any money that he gets can go to his family and then maybe his family. I mean, like, I think of like, I'll be, you can kind of just imagine what happens in the end, but what I like to imagine, <laughs> what I like to think <laughs> happened is that his family took the money and then they opened like a charity. You know what I mean? Oh but yeah. Like a that foundation. I think would have been yeah. yeah. Cause he perfect. got like over 4 million, like almost $5 million. Yeah. I think he got a lot of money. Yeah. He definitely got a lot of money. So, um, but, so, anyway, so, let's talk about him in the hospital. And, like, all his family okay. members are saying goodbye. So, this is where I yeah. started losing it. <laughs> because. Um, this was, is really sad. It was I, very emotional. This part was really sad. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, um, I, the part that really made me start to lose it. And I said that I was going to tell you earlier what it was, but I'm not going to tell you this time. <laughs> because I don't want to cry <laughs> to all our listeners out there. Oh, um, okay. But, uh, the part that made me start to lose it was when. His, I don't know, like his cousin or whatever. Um, they're all like, "We'll see you later, buddy. We love you. You know, like have a good yeah. sleep or whatever." But his oh, one cousin yeah. couldn't keep it together. I think he, it was his brother or his brother, whatever. Yeah, I mean, whoever yeah. he was, obviously very close to him, and he starts like he like lays his head down on Beckett's chest and yes. he starts crying, and that's when I started losing it because I was like, I just saw certain parallels in my own life. And it affected me very deeply. 
it was that was such a sad no that was such a sad part i know i i agree with you it was like very it was very emotional and i i'm actually feeling myself getting choked up like i can feel like in my throat you know you know you get like that choking feeling in your throat but Mm -hmm. i'm determined not to cry (laughs) so because i i was sitting there like just tears rolling down my face like and it's just you, you, it was it was really sad. Yeah, and everyone is like saying goodbye to him. Like, I mean, you know, you know that they probably know that this is probably going to be the last time they see him. And obviously, yep. his brother, um, he very much knew that too, and that's why he like couldn't he couldn't say goodbye without um, losing it a little. And it was just so sad. And then, you know, Tom Hanks took off his mask and he said, "I'm ready." And yeah, he died. So, yeah. I, he, Tom Hanks had had an equally like compelling journey. Obviously, yeah, he his affairs were in order, and he was he was ready to go. And when that was he really, fought, that was really intense. Yeah, and he kind of fought the entire um, movie. Like he's like, no, I'm not. I'm not going to die. Like you know, there's there's yeah. scenes where they're like, you yep. might not live through this, and he's like, he's like. Clearly, like, uh, yeah, I know, but I don't want to talk about it, you know? And right. understandably yeah. so, when you're dying and you're so young, like, he's, like, what, in his 30s or something? You know? Mm-hmm. It's, like, no one wants to be, like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to survive this trial to fight for my right just as a person to be able yeah. to work, you know? And um, I, I don't know. I, I thought Philadelphia was fantastic yeah and i agree i think it's awesome i think i would definitely recommend it for sure um mm-hmm. i would too i would for sure i would also recommend it yeah and just like really good character journeys really good very good and it really it really is i mean as i stated before that something mike said it really is a really good time capsule and i think for people who maybe weren't alive at that time or don't remember, I think it'd be it's a good movie to watch just to, to see how easy how easy it can sometimes be to discriminate against somebody well, and you and might not even realize it that you're doing it or yeah. that you think you're on the right side of something so you can discriminate and Yeah, exactly. Just putting a human face on putting a human face on like suffering and and life. I, it's just really good. It's um I think it's it's a strong it's a strong film in that we have to remember to be kind to everyone. We have to remember that yes. everyone's journey is different from yours and you don't know what someone's been through and the best is just to be kind. Just to be kind and understand yes. that you know there are different people out there and that are living different lives and have different fears and anxieties and you know, but that is the human journey. And, and I think that's, that's what part of this, you know, makes this movie so good is that it's the fact that we can put ourselves in someone else's shoes without, you know, putting ourselves in a a dangerous situation and empathizing Mm -hmm. with this person and also understanding, Hey, they're just like me. And I I think that's just something that we have to remember and we have to remind ourselves every day that 
there are everyone out there is just like you. They are just a human being. Exactly. Um, yep. Treat everyone like they're a human. Yep. Be kind. Love you people. Don't yeah. know what they've been through. And you know, some people are very open about their traumas and some people are very close about their traumas. And that's understandable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's trauma. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, yeah. who really wants to talk about it? Like, I don't know. Um, but yeah. And so that's what I'd say. I'd recommend it. Yeah, I would say watch it. It's on Netflix. Yep. It's a really great, great movie. Very powerful. Yes, very beautiful. Oh, actually, hold on. I just read something else that they, this was actually kind of inspired by a true story. Oh, I wondered about that. Yeah. So it says that the events in the film are similar to the events of the lives of attorneys Jeffrey Bowers and Clarence Kane. Bowers was an attorney who, in 1987, sued the law firm Baker McKenzie for wrongful dismissal in one of the first AIDS discrimination cases. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So, um, he sued and he won. Oh. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I wondered if it, if there was any. I'm sure there was. I was sure that there was like similar stories, but I wondered if this was based specifically on a true story. So. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, anyway, so follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook. We're at Watchers of Movies. Um, we have watchersofmovies at gmail.com if you'd like to send us a recommendation. Right now we're just trying to do stuff through like Netflix and Hulu because of quarantine and it sucks, <laughs> but we're going to get through this together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, we're on Google Play, Spotify, iTunes. If you guys like our podcast, please give us five stars on iTunes because that's how we get out there. So we're on SoundCloud and thanks to Mike for the music and what's his handle? His Twitter handle? Yes. Uh, it's Mike. His name is Mike Myers and the you can find him on Twitter at the Mike Show 42 Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, thanks Mike for the music. Thank you. Alright. And we'll see you next time. See you next week. <laughs> Bye. Wow. See you next year. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the annual meeting of people who annually meet, and we'll see y'all next year. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 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 Bye.